Hi, this is Sean Gladding, and welcome back to the Naked Man podcast. Growing up in England, few of my fellow high school students were churchgoers. I might get some gentle teasing at times for my beliefs, the occasional insult for being a god-botherer, but by and large, most of my fellow students were indifferent to my faith. It just wasn't important. I certainly didn't lose any friends over it. But it seems that in recent years, firmly held beliefs and commitments are driving a wedge between friends and family members, and not just when it comes to religious beliefs, but probably even more so to political commitments. Although here in the United States, those two increasingly go hand in hand, it seems. In this episode, we hear that play out for Yiftak. Simon held Yiftak's gaze for a long moment. Several emotions played fleetingly across his face before the anger lines and tension eased from his expression, replaced by something that Yiftak thought might have been sadness. But as Simon pushed off from the tree and got to his feet, his face hardened once more as he looked down at Yiftak. It sounds like you've made your choice then which means you won't be needing that. He pointed at the sword lying beside Yiftak. Yiftak's hand leapt reflexively to the hilt, but then it dropped back to his side. He offered no resistance as Simon leaned down and picked up the weapon. I will find someone to give this to whose allegiance lies with his people, someone who understands the meaning of fidelity and friendship, someone I trust, as I once trusted you. Farewell, Yiftak. He turned and walked away without looking back. As Yiftak approached the gateway into the courtyard where the ecclesia was gathering, he felt hot tears splash on his cheeks and he turned aside to wipe them away. Had he really made his choice? Or had Simon just made it for him? Was he truly going to turn aside from the path to liberation he had walked for so many years to now join this way? Was he really turning his back on the band of brothers with whom he had shed blood to align himself with this, he had to admit, vilified sect? Did he believe, as they did, that this Yeshua was the long-awaited Messiah? In that moment... He didn't know what was true of himself. But as he hesitated at the gateway, his stomach rumbled and a wry smile broke out on his face. One thing is true, he thought. I'm hungry as usual. And he stepped into the courtyard. As Mark observed Yiftak from across the courtyard, he noticed that his young friend looked troubled. He seemed to eat the food before him without tasting it, 
and was not engaged with the conversation that flowed around him. He didn't even seem to be giving Rachel the attention Mark had noticed over the past few evenings. When Yiftak looked up and caught Mark looking at him with concern, he quickly looked down and studiously avoided making eye contact again. As Mark got to his feet, he made a mental note to himself to try and catch Yiftak before he left. My friends, Mark began, I'd like to pick up the story where I left off last night. Peter told me that after Jesus fed the crowds, he immediately made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake to Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd away. Rachel spoke up. Why would Jesus do that? If he wants people to understand that he is the Messiah, he could have made sure everyone there understood what had just happened. I mean, there must have been some excitement in the crowd after he fed them all, surely. Why wouldn't he encourage that, if only for his disciples' sake? I don't know, Rachel, Mark responded. Peter indicated that there were some in the crowd who were ready to march on Jerusalem there and then and make him Messiah by force, which was never Jesus' intent. Word was already getting around about Jesus, as we heard a few nights ago, and if what Herod had done to John the Baptizer was anything to go by, Jesus certainly didn't want that kind of attention. Whatever the reason, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, in the darkness before the dawn, Jesus came to them, walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. Yiftak had been listening somewhat distractedly to Mark's words, but now he sat bolt upright and called out, What? <laughs> now you're telling us Jesus could walk on water? He looked at his neighbours, spluttering. And you all believe this latest tale? On top of feeding thousands of people with a few hunks of bread and some dried fish? He sat back, his arms folded rigidly across his chest, his face a fury. The woman sitting to his right leaned away slightly. Mark held Yiftak's gaze, understanding that something besides sheer disbelief lay beneath the young man's fierce response, but not yet knowing what it was. Thanks as always for listening. Between now and the next episode, perhaps you can take time to reflect on the following questions. If you grew up in the church... Chances are you heard this story, and others like it, in Sunday school, and chances are you simply accepted them as true without really thinking about them. Is that still the case today? Do you read or hear stories like this one and just accept them as having actually happened, 
Or do you find yourself responding more like Yiftek? Are you able to speak your questions about such stories out loud as he does? Or do you find yourself keeping them to yourself? And why is that, do you think? Until the next time.